The Dory Monson Show on Cairo Radio. This is The Big Lead. Well, that's just great, isn't it? Bob Fergie Ferguson's lead witness against Ed Troyer in a group text called Ed Troyer, the B word. No, I wouldn't expect there was any bias there. That case getting it, that little witch hunt seems to be falling apart for the state, but we'll keep watching it very closely. We're coming to you from the Carter Subaru studio. Welcome. Welcome to the big show. Very busy afternoon. Let's get right to the big lead. The Big Lead. Top story. Last Saturday, Friday night, Saturday morning, about 2 a.m. Saturday morning, somewhere around there, our power went out here at the Monson home. And six of our neighbors lost their power. A tree came down and took out some power lines, and we were all without power for almost 24 hours. I told you about this on Monday. I was very jittery. I don't like not having power because my life, professionally and sadly, so much of it personally, revolves around being on the grid. I like being able to read my news on the Internet. I like being able to watch my college football games on Saturdays. But most importantly, I don't just like having my phone. Sadly... I'm one of the hundreds of millions of Americans who needs my phone. And so when it was running out of juice mid-afternoon on Saturday, because I was doing everything I could to find out from the the Seattle City Light power outage hotline what was going on for us and our neighbors. And uh, I used a little bit too much juice. Plus, I hadn't been able to charge it overnight like I usually do because the power went out overnight. And so I was very jittery. And I told the story on Monday that, okay, I can hook it up to my car, but that's a slow charge. Plus, living in the Puget Sound area, if I left my car running in the driveway, somebody would come and steal it in about two seconds. So I thought, well, I'll just run the car in the garage. And my wife goes, uh, what about the carbon monoxide? I go, I'll open the garage door halfway. Of course, somebody could just walk under the halfway garage door, hit it the rest of the way up, and steal my car. But I was jittery. So I Saturday night, I called my daughter and son-in-law, and I said, hey, can I come up there? i got to charge my phone. And they said, well, we're going to be gone. And I said, that's okay. I don't, I don't care. I just want to come and charge my phone. And I realized, like so many of us have realized many times that we've lost the juice, I'm way too attached. It's even more true for our kids. After two and a half years of social lockdown and isolation, our kids are completely dependent on their phones. Getting on TikTok. And, you know, so the Chinese can track us everywhere we go. I bring all of this up because are you aware that we have power substations here in Washington State that have been attacked in the last month? Now, as you just heard in CBS News, in North Carolina, there were about 45,000 people who have been without power since last weekend. 
the governor of North Carolina confirmed that was a criminal attack on their substations there. What happened here Saturday night was a criminal attack. And federal, state, and local law enforcement are actively working to bring those responsible to justice. Protecting critical infrastructure like our power system must be a top priority. This kind of attack raises a new level of threat. A new level of threat. So I bring this up because at least five electric substations in Washington and Oregon have been attacked in the last two weeks. The FBI is looking into this. It's not getting a lot of attention right now. But these are criminal attacks. Puget Sound Energy, which is one of my, I'm on Seattle City Light, but I have Puget Sound Energy for natural gas. Puget Sound Energy has confirmed that there were November attacks on their substations. Uh, Jay Inslee's office has been asked about this, and they won't comment. They say that they're going to leave this up to the utility companies to address any issues. The reason why this is so important, the fact that these are criminal attacks, is because if there was one way that terrorists could certainly bring down America, it's by a larger-scale attack on our energy grid. And I know that our intelligence community is aware of this. I know that they've been looking at ways the last few years to try to terror-proof our electric grid. But we are seeing here in November and now December of 2022 that we are still vulnerable. Now, in North Carolina, let me tell you what's been happening, because they are ahead of the rest of the nation in informing their people about what's been going on. But in North Carolina, they were, uh, there, were there were people with high-powered weapons, uh, guns, long guns, and they were shooting up these substations to disable them. And you may have heard the soundbite just now on CBS News where a woman said that their power just came back on today, been out since last weekend. And as we get into the winter time here, if terror forces want to cripple our nation, there are two ways they could do it. And, you know, I, I hate to even talk about them, but I know that everybody in the intelligence community knows if there was a coordinated attack in our schools on our children, in various places across the country, well, that would just absolutely paralyze this nation. And then the other way is to go after our electric grid. I'm talking about things short of nuclear weapons or dirty bombs, the sorts of things that are considered more conventional thought in fighting terrorism. But again, let's go to North Carolina, where they are telling their citizens exactly what's going on. An energy exec there says that this was not just a bunch of random people going after their grid. I I will say this. The individual uh, that done the damage knew exactly what they were doing to cause the damage and cause the outage that they did. They knew exactly what they were doing. Okay, now here's what we know. At least 40, and some estimates are 98 people on the terror watch list 
have gotten into the United States of America just in 2022. Those are the ones who have been caught. But as you know, millions of illegal aliens are streaming across our wide-open southern border. Now, I'm sure why one reason Jay Inslee doesn't want to even talk about the attacks on the substations is because if it is connected to foreign actors, to terrorists coming into this country, and if this is just their little test run to see, you know, they've gone after North Carolina, Washington, Oregon. If this is their test run to see if they could launch some kind of larger-scale attack against our power grid, well, they have to be pretty encouraged by what they have seen so far because it's working. And North Carolina, it, uh, at least one person was found dead in their home after not having power for four or five days. They have not, with certainty, connected that death to the cold, but it is something they're looking into right now. But one reason Jay Inslee doesn't want to address this is because, as a member of the World Economic Forum, Jay Inslee is all for wide-open borders. He is all for, he's declared Washington a sanctuary state. He has sent out word to anybody who's in this country illegally, come to Washington. We'll give you housing, we'll give you food, we'll educate your kids, we'll give you medical care. Come to Washington, the land of milk and honey for illegal aliens. Well, if they've caught 40 people, and again, there are two credible numbers out there. I'm trying to be the most conservative, uh, but the two numbers that are most talked about is 40 people or 98 people. It depends on which government source, but this is what customs and uh, borders have told us. They've got somewhere between 40 and 98 people on the terror watch list trying to break into America once again. Okay, well, if they've caught that many, how many on the terror watch list have come in without being caught among the 2 million or so illegal aliens who have streamed into this country? See, Jay Inslee doesn't want to talk because if, This is some terror connection to the attacks on power substations in Washington and other states in the country. And if this is tied to any sort of terrorist activity, then it comes back to the fact that we have a wide-open southern border. But we're seeing the effects of it. We don't need to look at the power grid. Look at the tens of thousands of Americans dead from fentanyl that has come across our wide-open southern border. I mean, this is an all-out terror attack. The Chinese are involved, the Mexican cartels are involved, and who knows how many other breeds of terrorists are involved in what's happening to America right now. But uh, I just want to make sure. uh, Oh, and and here's what you're going to hear. Because they're already pushing out. Well, no, this is the radical right-wing domestic terrorists who are going after these electric substations. In fact, the Seattle Times story about this, they toss that out. They, <laughs> this is so ridiculous. The Seattle Times quotes a senior staff writer for the Daily, is it Coast, Coast? I don't know, it's been around forever. But it's a far left, left, left-wing website. And he's the author of Alt-America, The Rise of the Radical Right in the Age of Trump. And this guy says... Uh, Yahoo's sometimes go out and shoot things up, and power utilities are a frequent target. Uh, 
how much damage did these attacks do and how knowledgeable were the attackers. So be ready for that in the mainstream media. Be ready for them to say, well, if this is terrorists that are attacking our power grid across America, it's going to be right-wing domestic terrorists because they're desperate to blame anything they can on, on the right. So you'll hear that a lot. In mainstream media, Inslee won't talk about it, but what we're seying is on at least two Puget Sound utility substations, uh, there have been others with Bonneville Power Administration, the Cowlitz County Public Utility District, confirmed attacks on the power grid here in Washington State, in Oregon, in North Carolina, and across America. And we need to know who's doing this, and we need to know if this is... Just a test for a larger attack because it is going to be dreadful for the emotional psyche of America if people were left without power for any length of time. And after I talked about, you know, again, my neighborhood, it was a tree that came down last weekend. But these are people with weapons attacking substations in our state elsewhere. But uh, people were texting me on Monday. She can't believe you haven't got a generator. I was looking into a generator yesterday after I got off the air, uh, even before I knew about these coordinated attacks on the electric substations because uh just makes you wonder if something bigger is coming. We'll keep a close eye on this for you. Up next in The Big Lead. The Big Lead. I sense a Dory rant coming on. Then we have another disaster that is happening right now, and that's in our mountain passes. I-90 closed both directions until sometime this afternoon, and that's after spin-outs. We've got unchained semi-trucks going, trying to go over, even though chains are mandatory. Uh, there have been huge crashes, but WashDOT first tweeted about a westbound closure at 5.30 this morning. The Washington State Patrol at 7.15 this morning said eastbound I-90 is closed. So our major east-west highway in the state closed down. We have hundreds of packed semi-trucks. They're trying to get goods to marketplace in both eastern and western Washington that are stacked up. Uh, yesterday morning, there was a crash involving 38 vehicles that closed the eastbound lanes on I-90 for more than 10 hours. Now, if people aren't chaining up when it's mandatory, that is stupid. But there is something else at play here. We're still down a lot of experienced Washington Department of Transportation snowplow drivers because a lot were fired because of Jay Inslee's VAX mandate. Now, this story gets even more insane as well. And that's because, uh, you know, our source, I, I heard a guy on uh, Curly's show. Our sources are telling us that the Inslee administration now says that you can get hired if you were, if you're uh, not vaxxed and boosted. You can get hired. But if you were fired, for not getting vaccinated, you still cannot get your job back. But if you got vaccinated a year and a half ago, didn't get fired because you were working some other gig, 
and now you want to be a snowplow driver, well, then you can't apply. Even though somebody who was vaccinated a year and a half ago, that vaccine has no benefit whatsoever a year and a half later. Which means that the people who are applying who got vaxxed a year and a half ago, they are in no better vax shape than the snowplow drivers who got fired for being unvaccinated a year and a half ago. And yet, because of the stubbornness of Jay Inslee, the fired, unvaccinated snowplow drivers are still not allowed to reapply to get their jobs back. But somebody who got vaxxed a year and a half ago has not been boosted, and now they want to be a snowplow driver. Well, they can apply, which means that the most experienced people in our state at clearing our highways, clearing our mountain passes in the snow, they are still not eligible to work that job because Jay Inslee is trying to save face because he would rather just stick to his vax mandate guns than to keep the passes clear for the citizens of this state. It is absolutely shameful the way that Jay Inslee is handling this. We're going to keep you posted on that throughout this afternoon as well. But for now, that is your big lead for today. The Big Lead on Cairo Radio. Yesterday we told you about an 83-year-old Home Depot worker killed when a shoplifter shoved him to the ground as the 83-year-old man was trying to stop a couple of power washers from getting stolen. Crime is running rampant. We're number two in the nation for porch pirate crimes in Seattle and Tacoma. A restaurant has said they've been broken into 18 times in the last year in Seattle. And yet, a business owner who's become a friend of our show, who closed because of rampant crime, now says she's reopening. What? Why? I gotta find out. I'll talk to her live next as we get rolling here on the Dory Monson Show. an interview this morning with the founder of Home Depot, and he said that in years past, shoplifting, what they call breakage in the industry, was in the low single digits, 2-3%. Now it's up into the double digits, and it means that for the big box stores like Walmart and Home Depot, that it's affecting their earnings, it's driving up prices, it's contributing to inflation greatly, and it just shows that the social contract that we used to have in America, in many ways, is just dead and gone. I told you yesterday, Seattle and Tacoma are number two in the country for packages being stolen by so-called porch pirates. And we've certainly seen in retail businesses how crime has affected their ability to do business. Uh, several months ago, I talked with the owner of beloved downtown Seattle bakery, Poroshki Poroshki. Olga Sagan told me she was closing because of all the crime on 3rd Avenue. But now she's reopening. I want to find out why. Joining me live is Olga Sagan from Poroshki Poroshki. Hey, Olga, it's great to talk with you again. Well, thank you so much for having me here again. Okay, you have announced... You are reopening right after Christmas. Is it the same location on 3rd Avenue? That's correct. I guess we're hoping for a Christmas miracle, right? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're not supposed to have to hope for a miracle just to be able to run a great business 
in Seattle. So tell me why, Olga, because you were so fed up with the crime and all of the problems downtown when you decided to close. What have you seen that has uh, made you believe you now's the time to reopen? So I think there is, you know, there is, it's a multifaceted decision in a way. Uh, and I would tell you a few of those. First of all, we have been paying rent for the last 10 months. Um, and, uh, you know, we were lucky enough to get PPP money, but we are running out of PPP money. Um, and we've been using them as we're supposed to use them, uh, you know, pay rent, pay employees and things like that. So, so before, you know, we start losing a huge amount of money on, on the business, we want to try to reopen and at least see if there is some business that we can recover as we're kind of, uh, you know, running out of government support and into supporting ourselves once again. Uh, so, so that was one of the decisions. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so, but but why? I mean, first of all, I think it's very admirable that you still paid your rent after you were, you know, felt like you were forced to close down. But why downtown Seattle? Because I would think you could reopen anywhere, and you could try to <laughs> rebuild your customer base anywhere uh, because you do have a great reputation. So why are you trying to do it in the same place where? Crime forced you out just a few months ago. Absolutely. So, uh, first of all, if, again, we were already there. We have already built that space out. And, and then over the last couple of months, uh, we start seeing people coming back to downtown. We start seeing, you know, Uniqlo opened in downtown Seattle. And uh, a couple of times in the morning, I see line to McDonald's for breakfast. So I start seeing people coming back. And, um, and I wouldn't say that crime, you know, got major improvement but if you compare what's going on right now to february there is an improvement it's still inconsistent there's still bad nights there is still some you know issues there but as you've seen in february we closed after three shootings back to back we haven't had shootings uh since then so so i believe there is more police presence there i believe there's more focus on that area and I feel that we are a fabric of that community. And so many businesses already gave up on that area. But there is a lot of small businesses that are still there. Um, and I feel like we're lucky enough to be a fabric of that community that has a voice to, to fight for that area, to fight for those businesses, to, to fight for that, you know, normalcy in a way. Um, you know, I, so I love that. And mm-hmm. people ask me all the time, since I have so many criticisms, of this region. They say, why don't you move? And I say, because I've got too much fight in me. I would rather fight for this city and this region and the people that I love. I would rather fight than to run away. Uh, now, now I, my, my show has done very well. Uh, your business really suffered from all of the turmoil. So, I mean, I just find it very admirable, the attitude that you are expressing, despite all the challenges that you've faced, that uh, you want to just fight for someplace you love. Absolutely. And some, again, being fabric of that community, I have a lot of small, I know a lot of small business owners there. I, love, I know a lot of people who are living there. Now, downtown is one of the biggest neighborhoods in Seattle right now. So there is really a lot of a lot of good things that are going through downtown. And if we're all just going to give up and say, screw that and let's walk away at the first possible, you know, uh, sign of trouble, uh, who, you know, who are we as, a, as, a, as a people after that? So I think 
I think that's, that's one of the reasons, you know, with that said, my employee's safety and my customer safety is going to be number one priority. So if there is going to be any, um, any reports of any issues that making, you know, my employees or our customers feeling unsafe and not happy there, not safe to come to us, will definitely um, shut down right away. The landlord is putting uh, a security right in front of our building, uh, right in front of our window as well. So landlord doing a lot of uh, efforts of, of asking to keep, you know, for us to reopen and to, again, yeah. to bring that sign of, of what's, you know, what's normal. And then what's the better time to be reopened with our council re-election next year? <laughs> that is a great point if we could leverage getting some sanity on the council now i did see a tweet you sent out you said i was looking forward to having a meeting with the mayor of seattle bruce harrell yeah. but at the last yeah. minute it got canceled yeah. tell me about that yeah. so that was partially why december 26 came into the into the game because I have been trying to meet with mayor since in February, since March, and I don't know he's a very busy man. And we had a meeting set up for last Tuesday or two days ago. And, and that's what I was hoping. I'm going to meet with mayor. I'm going to say that, you know, business owners like myself who are believing in downtown, do not give up on us. You've got to keep fighting for downtown. You cannot just, you know, you have to keep supporting us. So I was really looking forward to kind of connect with mayor, see, maybe get some information of what the plan is. And um, and then a couple hours before, unfortunately, meeting got canceled, and I'm sure uh, he can, he's a busy man. It has not been rescheduled yet, so it got straightforward cancel on me. So it, it just got me disappointed again, but yeah. not surprised. Okay. So I was not surprised. I was actually surprised all the way to that morning how it still not got canceled. Right. <laughs> so, well, I'm sorry so to I hear was, that it did. And yeah. I hope Bruce Harrell's people are listening right now. Do the right thing. Yeah. Sit down yeah. with a business owner who's willing to fight for your city yeah. and for your downtown. Well, Olga, I'm, uh, I'm going to try to pop in sometime after you reopen and uh, we'll connect. Medics but, arrived uh, just six. Oh, say again? Oh, I'm, sure what oh, I'm sorry. I heard something else <laughs> in my ear. All right, uh, Olga, I, I really wish you the very best in reopening, and I hope the city can uh, can follow through on some of the promises they've made to business owners like you. I, I hope so as well. Thank you so much. Thank you. Okay, for we'll me. stay in touch. Thanks, Olga. <laughs> Olga Sagan, that's uh, Poroshki Bakery, or uh, online because they still do catering, poroshkibakery.com. And the bakery, Poroshki Poroshki, is reopening on December. 26th. Bruce Harrell, sit down, meet with Olga, do the right thing. Let's get this downtown back from all the criminals that you have helped take over downtown. Love to hear your thoughts on all this. You can text me at 888 973 888-973-5476. We have lots more to come, including this outrageous trade of the merchant of death for a WNBA player. The Biden administration with a Just horrible, horrible bit of negotiating. More on that. Lots more to come on the Dory Monson Show. Yeah, speaking of holiday magic, I want to thank the people who have been so generous. Uh, So, As you know, and as you just heard in that promo, 34 years 
Cairo Radio has teamed up with Treehouse. It's to help out the foster kids in our state. A couple of days ago, I talked on the show with a young man who had a Treehouse high school graduation mentoring uh, assistant. And this kid, you know, when kids are in the foster care system, they have a couple of strikes against them. It's, they, they've got some challenges. They weren't dealt the greatest hand in life. And this young man, he's working, he's uh, an artist. I've had listeners who've stepped up saying they want to get him the woodworking tools so he continue continue to pursue his art. But he's also taken in his little brother, who has not yet graduated from high school. And he wants to be that mentor for his little brother. So it's just great stuff. So if you want to make a donation, mynorthwest.com slash holiday magic. And then we have until 11.59 p.m. tomorrow. But uh, also at our website, we've got uh, sit-ins with the morning news, Gene Ursula, John and Sherry, uh, Spike at night. I didn't do a sit-in. Uh, for us, We you have a chance to go salmon fishing with Tom Nelson and me, a four-hour excursion. We'll leave from the Everett Marina. It'll be one beautiful summer afternoon, evening, next summer. I don't know, July, August, September, somewhere in there. And, uh, man, the top bid on that is $5,500. And so uh, you still have time if you want to top that. But uh, if you want to go hang out with Tom. Hey, Nicole, I forgot to ask you this. Was Tom Nelson back on... On Fox News last night? I'm not sure. I didn't see him. He sent me a text, and I was going to look for it today, but it looked like he was back on Jesse Waters. And, of course, the last time, the first time, he was on Jesse Waters. Ted Nugent saw it and loved Tom. And so then Ted and Tom and I, we did a half hour together on this show a few weeks ago. and uh, But I haven't had t- time to talk to Tom. To see why he was back on, but yeah, but um, our 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 guys, he's getting some national attention now. This guy, this guy. Okay, I'm going to tell you something about Tom Nelson. This is what happens when you pursue with all of your heart and all of your soul your passion. Because he was a great Seattle firefighter for his you know first career in life, but he loves the outdoors. He loves fishing. And he does that now, and he does the outdoor line Saturday mornings at 6 a.m. And then after, you know, he's done so many things with us, and he's taken me and up to Sitka a couple times, but just pursuing your passion. Now all of a sudden he's starting to get all this national attention. He better not get too big for us. If you're, if you're, if you're listening, Nelly, you better not get too big for us. That's the only thing I ask out of all of this. Uh, okay, I want to go into this more in depth in the Fastest fifteen. But this trade that the Biden, there's only one entity that thinks this was a good trade to give up the merchant of death, a guy who was selling arms to try to kill Americans in our military and in our intelligence community. The merchant of death, the Biden administration traded that him for. A WNBA star this morning, Victor Bout, is the merchant of death. Brittany Griner is the WNBA star. Now, I will say, Brittany Griner, she was playing basketball in Russia because women can make millions of dollars playing ball in Russia. 
They can't make anywhere near that in the United States. But Brittany Griner, unfathomably stupid to try to take a vape pen into with illegal drugs into Russia, especially if you're a high-profile American. Now, the sentence she got was outrageous, and it shows you know how badly Russia is willing to violate basic human rights. But they sentenced her originally to eight years in a labor camp in somewhere somewhere in Russia. But it, it's an outrageous sentence, and it shows that Russia is willing to trample the rights of of people, especially high-profile people. But Brittany Griner, she becomes this rallying cry for all the WNBA players and others across America. And so the Biden administration makes this trade for a vile, murderous drug and gun merchant, Victor Bout, the merchant of death. So as I said, there's only one entity I think that likes this trade, and it's the Denver Broncos, because the Broncos are now saying, hey, all right, we did not make the worst trade of 2022. The Biden administration now is guilty of that. Russell Wilson, that's down to at least number two now. So the Broncos love this. But why would the Biden administration do this? There is a hero, a, an American Marine, retired Marine, Paul Whelan, who the Russians, according to America, the Russians falsely accused him of espionage four years ago. He's been sitting in a Russian prison for four years if you have their merchant of death, and Putin desperately wanted this Victor Bout out because they want him to go back to dealing arms and to leading murderous incursions into Ukraine. And here, the Biden administration has sent $91 billion to support Ukraine, but then they cave in to international terrorist Vladimir Putin and they send him the merchant of death. I'm going to tell you more about this in the Fastest 15 because you have to know just how outrageous this was. And the Biden administration did it for one reason and one reason only. Because they are hoping they can get social media cachet because Brittany Griner is black and a lesbian. And so that makes her a fair trade for the merchant of death. And it's an outrageous way to run a country. And Paul Whelan, U.S. Marine hero, continues to sit in a Russian prison. More on that and lots of other local stuff in the Fast 15 coming up next here on the Dory Monson Show.